to pay or not to pay? That is the question when it comes to public holidays, isn't it? With the festive season fast approaching, how confident do you feel when it comes to public holidays? Whether it's an otherwise working day, Mondayization, Tuesdayization, all these words, what do they mean? And how do I actually know what to pay my employees? Well, stick around because in this episode, I'm going to get into all of the details around public holidays, especially when public holidays fall on the weekend. So whether you're closing up for the public holidays or whether you're fully operating, this podcast episode is definitely for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Lawlands. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Sanam. And guess what? This is the last podcast episode for the year. And what a start. I just want to say thank you to everyone once again. It has been so lovely getting these episodes out there and for people to be downloading them and listening to them. I really appreciate it. Please feel free to share this podcast with any colleagues that you have, any friends, anyone that might find this valuable. Now, oh man, festive season's fast approaching and I always used to get inundated with questions around how do I pay my staff? And I get why. It is really confusing because the legislation is not very clear. We don't have enough in terms of cases to say, look, this is exactly how you need to figure this out. But we have a framework, we could say, or a set of guidelines on what we need to look out for as an employer or when paying employees. So before we get into it, let me give you one last joke of the year. You know what time it is. It's Laughs with Lawlands, where I give you a dry joke in every episode. And hey, today's one is on theme. <laughs> what did the calendar say during the public holiday meeting? I'm feeling a bit empty. I need more dates. <laughs> Look, I'm sure we would always love an extra public holiday, but I can imagine being in the employer's shoes, you probably don't really want a public holiday added on or another date added on because there are so many that you need to pay for. And please do not think that it is lost on me that public holidays are difficult, especially for the last few years when they've fallen particularly on the weekends and we're looking at otherwise working days, calendar days, and what the otherwise working day might be if it's Mondayized or Tuesdayized. I get it. So let's get into all of the nitty gritty when it comes to public holidays. The first thing is what are public holidays? So I think generally if you've been an employer or HR professional and you know the lay of the land a little bit, you know about public holidays, you would have come across them. The Holidays Act is what sets everything out. That is the piece of legislation. An employee can be entitled to 12 public holidays in New Zealand the holidays um, that would fall on their otherwise working day is what they would actually be entitled to be paid. So they're entitled to 12 if it's an otherwise working day for them. Now, in terms of uh, the, the legislation, it's a little bit weird. This episode is all about otherwise working days, Mondayization, how public holidays apply to particular employees, looking at different scenarios. I will not be talking about transferring public holidays in this podcast episode, but I will speak about that later on and and I will create an episode for that specifically. But I thought that this would be the best one to get the information out there because I remember always getting inundated with these particular questions and 
rightfully so. Now that I've got that all out of the way, the act, like I said, is a little bit weird. It tells you the entitlement after defining what transferring public holidays are. And this is why I say the legislation is confusing. So in the interest of not doing this in a backwards way, <laughs> I thought the best thing would be is that we first look at how do you know that a public holiday actually applies to you or to your employee? So the first thing that we would look at is an otherwise working day. This is a term that determines whether somebody is actually entitled to a public holiday or not. So like I said, the 12 entitlements are there in terms of 12 public holiday entitlements, but it's all about whether this person would have otherwise worked on that day or not. And it's depending on their pattern of work or on there being an expectation that they would come in on that day because they would normally work on a Monday, for example, or they were normally rostered in for that day based on a rotating roster. So it all sounds simple when you say it this way. That's only nine to five, maybe Monday to Friday people. What happens when you're on rotating rosters? What happens when you have varying shifts? Maybe you've worked Monday for the last three weeks, and then prior to that, you've actually worked every Tuesday and you've never worked a Monday. How do you figure that all out? What happens there? Section 12 of the Holidays Act, 12.3, lists out the factors that are required to determine if it's an otherwise working day or not. I'm just going to give you a little bit of an FYI or caveat this. It doesn't help very much. And this is why we see people winding up in the employment courts or in the authority questioning this whole area of law because it's it, it doesn't make sense. But these are the factors that an employer needs to consider when they are looking at is this an otherwise working day or not. So the first one is the employment agreement. Always, 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 no matter what episode you're listening to, my main messaging will always be check the employment agreement because I have seen some historic ones that will say something which will override what the legislation says, or maybe they've given added benefits to an employee. So it's always important to go there first. That is your first uh, piece of information that you need to have a look at. Then from there, we look at the employee's work pattern. And then another factor would be other relevant factors like the employee maybe works for the employer only when work is available. Is that a factor? Is the employee on a roster or is there any similar systems to that? Is there a reasonable expectation from the employer that the employee is meant to come into work on that particular day? And also whether if it wasn't for the public holiday or an alternative day or they were on sick leave or something like that, then the employee would have actually come into work as well. So it factors in just in case if they weren't there because as many of you, if you have listened to the previous podcast episode, then you would know that if an employee is on a close down period and it would be an otherwise working day during that time, then they do get those public holiday days. So we see that this system and these factors have been reinforced in the authority, in the Employment Relations Authority. And one of the cases is, well, actually, these guys are a repeat offender, please don't boycott me, Wendy's. But Wendy's is one particular chain that has come under fire quite a bit, unfortunately, when it comes to this. And it's because they are the perfect 
situation when it comes to how complicated otherwise working days can be for a particular sector. It's not like a nine to five where you're just doing Monday to Friday, they're set days. This is a lot more complicated. This particular case relating to Wendy's was about this three out of four rule. So the best three out of four. Now, what happened here was that the labor inspectorate went in and opened up the books like they do. And they didn't like the way Wendy's was determining otherwise working day, because what they were doing is the payroll system that they were using used the best three out of four rule, meaning that if the public holiday, for example, fell on a Friday and the employee worked three out of the four Fridays, then they were entitled to the public holiday because it would be an otherwise working day. So they used the best three out of four, right? And what happened here is that the authority member said, you can't just have a blanket rule for everyone. Now, you would have heard me really hammer this in a lot of the other episodes, and it's because it is a very common theme amongst employers that get things wrong. Employers will apply a blanket rule to everyone. I understand that you may have 10 employees, 100 employees, 1,000 employees, but you cannot have a blanket rule for everyone. And this is exactly what the authority member said here. And they said that Section 12.3 was what should have been used to make a determination. The authority said that you don't just take into account the best three out of four rule. You need to factor all of those bits that we had spoken about, things like what's in the employment agreement, the work pattern, whether the employee is meant to be available for work or whether they just normally come in, there's an expectation, all of those different factors that I rattled off. Those are what really needs to be focused on. And by not focusing on those factors and just by applying the best three out of four rule, the authority said that what Wendy's has actually done for their employees was a disservice. They have actually brought them below the minimum entitlements. And the Authority did consider the argument because I know that the argument that comes up quite often is that it is really difficult to have each person treated individually when you have hundreds, maybe thousands of employees. But I can tell you that it just does not fly. The authority member does not care. And and I'm so sorry to be crass about it, but that is it. They, They do not care. And in this case, it's exactly what the authority said as well, is that You cannot just do a blanket rule. You need to assess each person individually because the excuse that it would be time consuming or that it would be costly is just not good enough as an employer. And if that means that you need to close on public holidays or charge a surcharge, then that's what you do. But you can't just use these excuses like what Wendy's did here. So try to avoid a blanket rule for, for everyone. Now, when is enough enough is the question that came out of this. It's really important because a lot of employers would say, look, how far back do I need to go? If I keep going back, I'm looking at four years of this person being here. When do I stop? When is enough enough? And I would say that looking at these cases, looking at the fact that we've got very clear factors that need to be taken into account Generally, the previous case law has said that you need to review work patterns over a three to six month period to assess whether the public holiday 
is actually an otherwise working day for a specific employee. So that is how to really determine that. So you need to be able to look at all those factors and I'll put in all the links and all the details into the description so that you can go and look at these particular resources. This is where Employment NZ is good at laying out the information and laying out exactly what would be considered as a otherwise working day. And I'll talk about Mondayization and Tuesdayization and they're really good with giving you every scenario under the sun because there was a huge influx of, of people that were calling up uh, about two, three years ago when the public holidays all moved to a Saturday and Sunday and people were coming in with all these different scenarios trying to figure out how to pay their employees. I will leave that information there for you. We'll get into exactly what happens when it is an otherwise working day, when it's not, in terms of how the entitlement works. The easiest one is if it's not an otherwise working day. So if an employee is not meant to be working on that day, they don't normally work on that day, you've gone back, you've looked at all of the Mondays, for example, that they've worked and they've never worked a Monday, that's the day that the public holiday falls on, there's no other option, then you need to pay the employee time and a half. What you need to do is if it's not an otherwise working day and the employee wouldn't normally come in, but let's say you need them all of a sudden and they are asked to come in, then you would pay them time and a half, but they would not be entitled to a day in lieu, so an alternative day. This is only in a situation where it's not an otherwise working day. You've got an employee that has come in because let's say you've called them in and said, hey man, can you fill in for this particular person? This person's not feeling well, whatever it might be. Then you would pay them time and a half and they would not get an alternative day. So they would not get a day in lieu. But where it gets complicated is what do you get or what happens when it is someone's otherwise working day? So all employees here in this situation of an otherwise working day are treated as equal, whether they are casual, permanent, and permanent meaning full-time, part-time, however many hours, and then also fixed term. All get treated equal. All need to be looked at with the same lens in terms of those factors, and then you determine okay, if they were meant to be working, now what do they get? So if it is an otherwise working day, let's say that this particular public holiday is their otherwise working day, then they would be entitled to a paid day off. If you look at the nine to five scenario, let's say the public holiday falls on a Wednesday, this particular employee would normally come in to work on a Wednesday, but you're like, hey, it's a public holiday, you're entitled to your day off, so Wednesday is your day off. If the employee works on that day, so the day that they were meant to have off, then you are entitled as an employee to an alternative day, so a, a day in lieu, and also time and a half for any hours that are worked on that public holiday. So I always used to get a question of, do I need to pay the employee? They would normally work 10 hours on that day. I only needed them to work four. Do I need to pay them for the entire 10 hours? No. They only get paid time and a half for the hours that they worked on that particular day. These rules are actually important because, like I said, the Wendy's branch came under fire again for this exact issue. They failed to pay the employees for the public holidays. So that's one, strike one, failing to pay them entirely for their public holidays because they were probably using certain rules that made it seem like it wasn't an otherwise working day. Then they also fail to provide them 
with the day in lieu or the alternate day where they work the public holiday and then and that would have been their otherwise working day as well and they basically didn't get the additional day that was owed to them. Again, with the Labor Inspectorate coming in, it was opening up the books and having a look at everything. And I have seen that the Labor Inspectorate has actually gone beyond the time that's needed. Wage and time records are usually six years kept. They've gone beyond that. So that is why it's best not to be caught in the crosshairs when it comes to this and not be under fire as an employer. What about Mondayization and Tuesdayization. I always find those words really hard to say. When it comes to public holidays falling on a particular weekend, now, like I said, I've, I've hammered this and done this to death in this conversation, and you must be thinking, oh my God, we get the point. It is a lot of <laughs> Mondays and Tuesdays and weekends. But when it comes to public holidays falling on a weekend, then in most cases, what the rules and the legislation say and what the government generally does is that they move that public holiday to Monday or Tuesday. So they Monday-eyes it or Tuesday-eyes it. (laughs) And by moving it to those particular days, it's essentially for the purposes of the employee. It allows the employee to either get the calendar date, so the actual date that shows up on the calendar, or... Um, it moves it to another date, which would then apply to them. So it's not a good situation. I get it. And the way that it normally works is that if the employee would not normally work on the actual calendar date. So for example, let's take me as a prime example here. I work Monday to Friday. I am one of those people. And on the weekends, if a public holiday fell on a Saturday, for example, then that would be Mondayized usually to to Monday meaning. So that so what happens there is that I technically am not entitled to the calendar day, which is the Saturday, because that's what shows up on the calendar. And I'm technically not entitled to that because I never work a Saturday. But if I was to look at what day would apply to me because the government is saying calendar day is Saturday, but we are also um, basically recognizing it on a Monday as well, then the Monday public holiday would apply to me in that case. Now, the question is, can an employee be paid for both days, one day? What actually happens there? So the best way for me to break it down is that if an employee typically works on the day of the public holidays calendar date, so that is the Saturday in in this scenario. So let's say that the employee normally works on a Saturday and for argument's sake, this year, New Year's is on a Saturday, New Year's Day. Then this is the date that shows up on the calendar. Then there is no Mondayization for them because they are entitled to the Saturday because that is their otherwise working day. So that date does not get shifted for them. But what happens if an employee works on both days? Let's say you have a situation where they work on the Saturday and also the Monday. What happens then? Do they get to double dip? Thankfully, the answer is no. If an employee normally works on the calendar date, so the Saturday, and they also work on the Mondayized date, and Tuesdayization works the same way as well. If they work on the Monday, on the Monday as date, which is the Monday, then their public holiday falls on the calendar date because they work on both days. So they can't double dip because technically the Saturday comes first. So that's why they only get the Saturday 
they do not get the Monday. And the employees are not entitled to two public holidays, so they can't double dip the exact same day. Now, there are a few different scenarios that can come up. Like I said, because a few years ago, there were so many situations coming up because everything, New Year's, Christmas, everything started falling on the weekends. And then we had, I think, even Easter time, everything was falling on the weekends. A lot of questions around this came up, and that is why... Employment NZ put out two separate pages just solely dedicated to every hypothetical scenario under the sun, very well organized in terms of it being in table format that says, does the employee work on a Saturday? Does the employee work on a Monday? What's What happens here if they do work, if they didn't work, if they work both days, one day, if they asked for a day off, if they were sick, it gives you all these scenarios. And it does the same thing for Sunday and Tuesday as well. So I will link those because those were really good. They were always a good refresher for me as well. When people ask me niggly questions, please refer to that. And in terms of making your employees work on the public holiday, this comes up quite often too. Can I force an employee to come in and work? You can only require an employee to work for two reasons, and both need to be met. The first one is that the employment agreement needs to refer to this. So I remember calling this out once where one of the agreements that I got many years ago said that you would need to work on a public holiday. And it had been the first time in an office-related job that something like that had popped up, and I was a little bit alarmed. But if you're in a business where you need people to come in regularly, during the public holidays, because that is your bread and butter and you need to operate your business, then please make sure that you have employment agreements that clearly state that employees will be required to work. That's the first one, employment agreement. The second one is that the public holiday must fall on a day that the employee would normally work. So the public holiday needs to be an otherwise working day. You cannot just up and tell somebody, hey, you need to come into work today when they wouldn't normally come into work. I hope you're still with me. (laughs) This is a bit of a doozy. So I hope you've paused it, taken a break, had a coffee, maybe even something that's a bit stronger to get you through the the public holiday talk. Now I want to go into looking at different scenarios. The first scenario is what if you have an employee that's on call or that you've asked to be made available? I know that I haven't been paid correctly when I've been made to, to be available during the public holidays. So Make sure that you don't have a disgruntled employee like me. (laughs) Um, If you asked your employees to be available during the public holiday period, let's make sure that you've got things right. The first thing that you need to do is make sure that you have an availability clause in the employment agreement. In terms of the availability clause, it needs to be specific. You need to make sure that you've really tailored that clause. So make sure you seek advice and, and get those clauses ironclad and you've got a a clear idea of what that needs to look like. That's the first criteria. The next one is that you need to give them reasonable compensation. What that will look like will depend on the job, how long you're asking them to be available, all of those factors. So that's the next part. The third one would be that you need to show that there are genuine reasons and reasonable grounds for, for making somebody available. So you need to basically justify why you have an availability provision in the employment agreement. Now, what does this mean if an employee is made to be on call? So if an employee is on call and they are required to stay home all day in case they are needed for work, so let's just say you've got them by the phone ready to go, already in their work gear, then they will be entitled to a full day's pay 
and an alternative day or a day in lieu if they don't get called in for work. So this is just hanging out by the phone, not being called in for work, just toe tapping. But what about if you don't need to to limit them? Let's say that they're not toe tapping by the phone, sitting on their couch, and let's say that they have a full-on day and they're out and about doing whatever they need to do and they're living the dream. Then they will only be entitled to a normal day's worth of pay and if they accept the call out then they get an alternative day and at least time and a half for any hours worked but if they are not limiting their day if they're just hanging out and maybe they're on call but they're not really by the phone really worried then they're entitled to a normal day's worth of pay and if they accept a call out then they get an alternative day and time and a half for the hours worked. It's still complex. You can see that there's multiple layers to this. You need to have the right clauses. You need to make sure you provide reasonable compensation. That is always a tricky area. So that's why I say it depends business to business what that compensation will look like. And then you also need to have genuine reasons for for having this, this particular provision in the agreement. And you need to make sure that you are paying everyone correctly on top of that. Always to pay or not to pay. Like I've mentioned and disclosed probably shouldn't have, but I have also been paid incorrectly for being made available during the close down of public holiday periods. And on those particular days, I should have received time and a half for for the hours worked. I should have received that day in lieu and I didn't get that. So If that is the case, and if you have been through that as well, or if you're an employer and you potentially are getting this particular area wrong, then there is no harm, no foul in going and seeking a bit of advice to make sure you've got it all right. So the next area, which I thought was a little bit of a tricky one as well, is to do with shift workers and public holidays. Now, we've spoken about the otherwise working day and whether that's applicable. I'm not talking about rotating rosters here. What I'm actually talking about is that you work partially on a Sunday and that goes into a Monday. So what happens in that case if it's half on one public holiday, half on a normal day? We know that public holidays generally run from midnight to midnight. So that's our bracket. We know that's how that works. But like I said, what happens when shifts start on a day before the public holiday but finishes on the public holiday? So it's a kind of an overnight shift. If it's an otherwise working day, that they will be paid at time and a half and they would get a day in lieu. Now, the hours that they work on a normal day will be paid at their usual rate of pay. What happens if it's not an otherwise working day? If it's not an otherwise working day, then again, the time and a half principle applies and, and that's it. Now, the next scenario I wanted to have a look at, which also used to come up quite often, is when public holidays overlap with other areas of leave. The first one, which is conflicting guidance that actually came out around this, so people were very confused about this. What happens when somebody is on ACC leave and they also need to be paid for a public holiday? Whose responsibility is that? Now, as of 2022, the guidance has changed because if somebody is injured or technically not able to work because they're on ACC, then they wouldn't be entitled to the public holiday because it's not an otherwise working day. 
They are literally not meant to be coming into work. They are off of work for a set period of time, indefinitely, whatever it may be, and ACC is the one that is covering them off and they are getting their payments. If you're a bit confused, if the employee is confused, contact ACC to figure that out. But that is generally the guidance that was released in 2022. When it comes to parental leave, same principles as ACC. Employer not paying you, not an otherwise working day. Parental leave, that, that's where it all gets covered. Now, when it comes to sick leave, bereavement leave or family violence leave, if entitled and the employee is claiming one of these days, so let's say that it's, it is an otherwise working day and the employee is entitled to sick leave, bereavement leave, any of those types of leaves, then one of these days will get paid as an unworked public holiday. So nothing is deducted from their leave balance. So you cannot take anything out of there. When it comes to annual leave, this is a standard scenario, but I thought I would just mention it again because a lot of people are going through close downs. If it's an otherwise working day, then they would get paid as if they would normally work on that day. So they must get paid the public holiday. So it's like an unworked public holiday, like I was saying. Key takeaways. We're at the end. You've made it. Hopefully not too many drinks in so far, but we have made it. In terms of key takeaways or what I would suggest if I was standing back and saying, here's my nuggets of wisdom. Here's some tips. The first thing, check your employment agreements. Check them. Make sure you've got all of those provisions in there. If you don't, if you feel like something is not looking entirely the best, now is the time to work towards fixing these in the new year. Do not be a Wendy's case. I don't want to see your name, your business's name printed for everyone to see. I don't want you to get to that stage. So don't be a Wendy's <laughs> burger case. Make sure that you've done the right thing and get your agreements checked out if you're feeling like it's a little bit iffy. You cannot opt out of public holidays is the next thing that I want to say. This was the problem that happened with Wendy's as well. They try to opt out. They say, it's not really, it's not really for me. It's not my thing, these public holidays. It's no one's thing. Of course, it's the employee's thing because they get paid um, for having a day off, but these are the minimum entitlements. And if it's an otherwise working day or if the employee works on the public holiday, they need to be paid what is owed to them. Otherwise, you're going to be in breach of minimum entitlements. We know what the requirements are. If you're unsure, seek legal advice. And one thing that nobody really discussed, which I think is very critical a lot of employers put a lot of emphasis and trust in their payroll providers. You can't, and it's really important that you do audits and that you make sure that your payroll systems are correct. It's always good to check. Just by relying on them, it's not good enough. And this is exactly what happened in that first Wendy's case. That particular case was solely focused on the fact that Wendy's trusted their payroll provider because their payroll provider did the best three out of four rule don't fall into that trap. Hopefully this was quite beneficial for you. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much for hanging around. If you had to pause this and play it again, thank you for sticking through. <laughs> Have a lovely day, night, evening, morning, and thank you so much, everyone. Thank you.